competing at a combined weight of 405 pounds. They are the reigning, defending, undisputed racing dudes, triple crown champions of the world, the magic. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 468, Mr. Samich. Canterbury, huzzah! Here we go, baby. I know uh, the only person more excited about this than us is Alex Berg. Good to see you back in the comment section, Alex. And uh, Ed, Ed throwing shade at Canterbury. Hastings wasn't going to for you. Listen, Canterbury has a 10% takeout on their pick five, damn it. We're going to support that every single time we can. Yeah, let's go, man. I like these low takeouts. We, we had Indiana Grand, which was wildly frustrating on Wednesday. And now we're going to go to Canterbury. Two nice low takeout tracks, smaller tracks you want to support. And Canterbury, I got to give them some love, man. They run at night. I like these night tracks because then, like, you get through your day. You're enjoying a nice cocktail. But, like, it's a little tougher here on the West Coast. I'm not going to lie. It was nice on the East Coast because everyone goes to bed and Mike is still drink and gamble. We don't get that here because it's now going, like, dinner time. But I still like these night tracks, man. Yeah, you got a first post for Friday, or sorry, Friday, for Saturday, May 27th, opening day for Canterbury Park. Uh, they're starting at 510 Central, so 310 for us on the West Coast, 610 on the East Coast. Uh, but yeah, it's great. They've got lots of uh, good fields in here. Um, we love the, t the turf racing is really great. Um, I know that they had to uh, they, they had to reduce the purses and everything. They had a little bit of uh, issue uh, trying to get some funding for all of their stakes races, so hopefully... The gamblers can unite. We can get this uh, Canterbury thing back on track because really when they give a 10% takeout on a pick five and their their pick four, I think, is also like 14%. It's very low as well. So uh, for a 50 cent pick four. So a lot of good options there. Um, it's already been a good day for us. I know Papa Dude, his parlay from the uh, Dudes Who Bet Daily cashed by hook or by crook somehow over eight and a half runs in that race. Blue Jays, uh, thanks to a two run ninth, top of the ninth, ended up going from seven to nine runs. So... Uh, yeah, we'll see if I see if I can get lucky twice here, Mike. That was a that was a hell of a finish to that game. That's the reason why you play nine innings, man, so you can hit the over. That's that's all it is. Yeah, <laughs> that thing was dead. It seemed dead over early, and then dead under late. Now I'm trying to to squeeze this Rockies play out, and every time I flip over, it feels like the Marlins have at least two men on. Somehow it's still two two. So hopefully we can get this Rockies home bottom of the seventh, uh, and they get a nice little three and zero start for the dudes who bet daily day. All right, we've got Canterbury's Late Pick 5 opening day Saturday, May 27th to talk about. Let's get into it. Riders up! Mike, here we go. First leg of the Canterbury Late Pick 5 on Saturday, May 27th. Race 5. This is also the end of the early Pick 5. Seven older males plus one also eligible. Uh, sorry, uh, one MTO, I should say. Routing a mile on the turf. So these are either non-winners of two in the last six months, non-winners of one in the last three months, or non-winners of four lifetime. Take your pick. You get lots of open eligibility here. Uh, Minnesota Breds, they're in for 12-5 tags. All others run for 7-5. You and I, not only do we have, uh, we agreed on the same single, 
we have the same number of horses we're using in every single leg, and we've got agreement in every single leg, scattered agreement. Uh, so we have the same tickets, the ticket costs and everything. It, it's crazy how this panned out, but start us off. Where'd you go on top in race five? Little odd. Not surprised we're both spreading in the race we're spreading. Not shocked we're singling in the race we're singling, although you probably could have singled one of two horses in that race if you wanted to go either way. So we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. We're both starting out three deep here, since I'm starting out three deep. I know you are too. I like the six go for gold on top, seven to two here uh, for a horse that last five races all at Canterbury. Now we're coming off a long layoff, but the layoff doesn't scare me as much because if you look at the two races off a layoff in the back form, both of them were very good races from this horse. I think the pace sets up well for go for gold here. Should be coming from off it. Uh, Michael Bueller, one of those trainers that does very well here. Hernandez, a jockey who does very well here, has ridden this horse twice before. Uh, rode both of those to second place, barely second place finishes. So I guess one of them won in a dead heat. Uh, this is one that just to me is really logical. We know likes this Canterbury turf course is two for 12 over it. Has hit the board seven of those 12 races. Uh, is also two for 11 uh, going this distance over the turf course and has hit the board seven of those 11 tries. So consistent horse I think is going to be there at the end. Like the seven to two price too. I was expecting this one to be the favorite when I handicapped this the first time. So take a little bit of a shot here with the six horse Gophers Gold. Uh, yeah, we had uh, two of the three horses we each used here. We agreed on this is one of them. Wasn't my top pick. But one thing that I noticed as well um, that I believe you mentioned, this horse has got a really solid history of running well fresh. And you've got a lot, especially these Minnesota bred races. They either were at turf paradise for the winter or they just waited until this meet started back up again. Um, and, and this is a horse that, you know, third on debut as a two-year-old. Then it comes back from a 308-day break and breaks the maiden on the local dirt. And then after a 278-day break, third against Minnesota bred allowance horses, so better company than this. Then you fast forward another year, 256 days off. Uh, it gets another third against Minnesota bred allowance. And then last year, 211-day layoff, misses winning against higher-level claimers by a nose. So the horse runs well fresh and is coming off of another very long uh, break here. Uh, so I agree with you. Uh, this is a good horse to use. The other one we agreed on. The number two, Thick Haze, your second choice on the morning line at three to one. Uh, for me, a huge, there's a lot of horse for course angles that I used in handicapping this, and I think probably you did too. Horses five for eight on the local grass. First four starts on turf after starting on dirt. They were all wins. They were all routing, all here at Canterbury Park. Tried tougher company those next two races. Wasn't a factor. Then dropped back down to this level. Won again. Went to turf wave, or sorry, turf, and we're going to do that a lot. Turf paradise, uh, struggled a bit, was kind of spotty here and there, but the one winning that span came in an off-turf race at a similar level with this same jockey on board, and was this horse was with trainer Esteban Martinez for most of that. No offense to Esteban, this horse kind of got rescued from there because you see as soon as he got claimed out, next out gets a second, claimed from the James Brown barn, gets second again. So as soon as we got away from Esteban Martinez, for whatever reason, the horse started improving again. I think this horse is in form, back at a track where it loves, and I, I'm surprised this isn't the morning line favorite. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, me too. I, this is another one where it just kind of makes sense. Should get a really nice trip here. Should sit right behind the speed, be able to make a run around the far turn, hopefully good enough to be able to get the job done. I, this, I agree with you. Look, you, you take out the races where we're above this class level, and all of a sudden, Thick Haze is pretty much first or second every time running at this level. So getting back to this level, I think, makes a big difference here. I also like the fact that this one's been running a little bit. So you know that we're a little better for him. The last two races have been very good, ticking in the proper direction as well. I, again, you mentioned it, five for eight over this turf course, four for 11 going the turf at this distance. I mean, those are tough to try and fade away from, especially since this Canterbury turf course is one where you want to focus on, hey, does the horse like it? Because if so, it's one you definitely want to include in your ticket. So I, I thought the two thick haze made a ton of difference. 
Now we're going to diverge here. Uh, I did not use the morning line favorite, the three horse Club Mesquite. I'm interested to see if you ended up there or not. I, I went to the five horse Meet Joe. Uh, this one to me is who I think is going to be in the lead. And the two turf races on the page are both good enough to compete with everybody else. And if the five ends up in the lead and those two turf races show up, I think 10 to 1 is a great price. Lindy Wade, 0 for 7 for the year. He's been out with injury. Now he's back. He's another jockey who does very well at these type of circuits. I think he puts Meet Joe up front, and it's going to be catch me if you can a little bit. So I'm going to go 2, 5, 6 to try and get through this leg. Boy, I wanted to try and use a 5, especially because he's 10 to 1. And like you said, uh, looks like should be the leader. But I struggled. I went way back and looked, and it was hard for me to really pinpoint a race that um, – that the horse was held on. I mean, he's he went. To, uh, there was an off turf uh, dirt race at Turf Paradise um, in April of 2022 that the horse won pretty much gate to wire. But it was a five horse field. Uh, the turf efforts were against better. They were both allowance races instead of. Now we're at the claiming level here, but it was hard for me to to get there. I understand why you used it. Just I d- didn't make the cut for me. I think if there is a scratch out of this race specifically that I'm using, I, you've got to use the five because of that speed angle. Um, I did not use the three as well. I, I thought the three was a good ho- uh, horse to try and beat here, a favorite at two to one that we're supposed to try and beat. I ended up going to the outside with the eight Cybertruck. Uh, this is a horse that uh, I got an a, a upgrade to, a, um, you know, or sorry, it's taking a big class drop after running at Santa Anita and against starter allowance horses at Turf Paradise. Now, I kind of, I praise the two for getting away from Esteban Martinez. Maybe just didn't know how to handle that horse because now this horse is going to Esteban Martinez. <laughs> I was wondering how you can handle um, that. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it's one of those things I'm like, well, it, Satchel Stevens is uh, was 0 for 12 so far this year and hasn't really had a, a good runner all year long. So um, that's an upgrade from Satchel Stevens. Uh, but I also like that he and Jockey Jermaine Bridgman, they've won 20% in the last year together. Um, Martinez does all right at Canterbury Park, 10% uh, winners. He's overall a 19% winner. I think that this horse is going to like running over a fairer track in terms of like horses coming from a little bit off the pace, as opposed to Turf Paradise, which is in the desert and can be quite a bit of a speedball setup. He's been competitive with Thick Hayes, who we're both using in here, as well as the, the two-to-one favorite Club Mesquite. So he fits at this level. For me, it's a matter of we're back at Canterbury, or we're going to be at Canterbury Park, a track where it will, I hope, play better to him in his off-the-pace running style. Yeah, I, I have the eight and fourth. Um, and the problem with me and the reason I use the five instead of the eight is if I use the eight, I probably am using the three, two. And then all of a sudden I'm using a two to one, three to one, seven to two and four to one, the four choices in a seven horse race. I just I didn't want to go four deep using the four favorites. And I, I'm hoping that Thick Haze covers Cybertruck. That was kind of my, my idea here that if I have Thick Haze, he's beaten Cybertruck twice. He can do it again here. And then it gives me a shot to take the five here at a bigger price to, to try and help the payout of the ticket if we are able to get through this leg with a with a 10 to 1 shot. Uh, let's move on. The second leg of the late pick five at Canterbury Park on Saturday, May 27th. Uh, we're going to onto the dirt here. We've got a field of eight older horses sprinting six furlongs. They're either non-winners of one other than non-winners of two lifetime or they're in for a tag. And if they're in for a tag, Minnesota Breads run for 25K, which is the all the way on the outside eight horse. All others are running for 16K. We both have the same single. Tell me about the number three boat song. Yeah, this is just a horse who's dropping in, and it seems like is a lot lighter spot and has really turned it around the last three races. This is a four-year-old who just seems to be coming into form. I mean, if you go back since it's hit back into the uh, McLean-Robinson, you'll see this. This horse jumps from Hugh to McLean uh, quite a bit, but the Robinson team always focuses here on this Canterbury meet. Uh, it ran the last three times at Oakland Park. 
in $50,000 allowance, $50,000 claimers, and $65,000 claimers. Now we're dropping into 16N1X, so quite a bit of a class drop there. And all three of those races are probably good enough to get it done. But on top of that, has the the, the speed that I'm looking for here. When you're going uh, when you're going six furlongs and five and a half furlongs at Canary Park, generally you want to be a little more forwardly placed. It's hard to come from off the pace and get the job done against the higher level of horses. And when you kind of go through here, there's not a ton of speed to really fight him up front. I mean, the eight horse has some, but I think he clears the eight pretty easily. And if that's the mm-hmm. case and Boat Song gets loose, I think he's ultra difficult. If he ends up sitting right off the pace, which is what he did last time in a $65,000 N2L claimer, I think he's awfully difficult as well. So for me, this came down to the three and the four. And you want to play the four who's won three straight. Uh, Bonnie Woolley's coming in here, 19% trainer. Hernandez following the horse in from uh, Turf Paradise there. It, I decided to play the three. I could see why you'd play the four. I think you have to play one or the other and try and get through here with a single. All great points that you made there. Uh, the jockey Eduardo Gallardo is going to keep the mount for the fifth straight start. He and Mac Robinson red hot together. 28% winners hitting the board at 55% together. And yeah, exiting a much tougher circuit at Oakland Park where a lot of these horses are coming from Turf Paradise or Hawthorne. So um, I, the, the speed angle was a huge reason. And also I see uh, Doc is mentioning the one uh warrior boss at nine to two i think this horse has got a great chance to hit get second i think you can play a three one exacta here and, and feel confident about that my issue is the one is going to be probably last early right it, it, he's a closer and there isn't anyone that really presses the three if the eight tries to it's just going to be game over for the eight and i don't think that works out for him so the if you look back at uh what was it two years ago um, and when he returned to Canterbury Park, he was at, uh, he, he lost, he got second, a good second to a horse named the Alligator Hunter, but he was four lengths behind early and the Alligator Hunter went gate to wire and romped by six and a quarter. That exact allowance is kind of the same setup here as five and a half, six furlong difference. But I look at that race and I think that's exactly what I think happens here. You're going to see Boat Song go out to a lead. Nobody pressed him. He's going to run away with it pretty easily. And the one who's a great closer coming off of a layoff is going to be able to get up for second, but if nobody presses the three and it doesn't look like they will, I just can't use the one in here. Yeah, the one's also I mean, essentially three times off a layoff now. All three, the second race off that layoff was an improvement. So it kind of mm-hmm. feels like at eight years old, especially the one may need a race here, Warrior Boss. So maybe one who, if he runs well, you you kind of stable up and see if you can come back and play the horse. Uh, the five horse, I think, is a little bit interesting as well, coming from off the pace. It was in a little bit lower levels at Oakland than some of the other horses here, but it, to me, has the ability to kind of run up into the exact the trifecta if you're looking for a little bit of a number, five to one there on the five horse. So I, I think it's three or four on top. And then, and then to me, it was the one or the five who's going to be the other horses that are that are involved in this. But because, again, those are the four choices, this isn't a race I'm looking to spread. It's a race I'm looking to single and try and get through. And then with the five, which I thought was Colonel Kink, Colonel Klink's a little more PG of a name. Uh this horse was initially with Joel Burnt, who was a trainer we're going to talk about a lot this sequence, and a top trainer at Canterbury Park. He was forwardly placed when he was running with Joel Burnt ever since Richard took over, or Chris Richard, however he pronounces it. Uh, he hasn't been forwardly placed. He comes from off of it. So that, again, is like, well, if I think if, if I'm taking a horse off the pace, it's going to be the one. Maybe the five gets up for the trifecta, like you said, but... Probably as far as it goes there. Uh, but we definitely agree. Singling the number three boat song here. Two to what kind of odds do you think we end up getting? Because it's two to one favorite. Are we looking at like a six to five, seven to five? I would think you're going to get. Man, see, the thing is, the four should take money too. 
And I think the mm-hmm. one does take some money. So I, I would hope we're getting like eight to five, but I, I wouldn't be shocked. Like the other part, we were talking about these small tracks. We talked about Indiana Grand on Monday. Now we're talking about Canterbury. Favorites get over bet pretty aggressively at all of these tracks because you have the, the that, I'm not going to say public money. And Canterbury actually is a pretty big public track because the, the on-track handle at Canterbury is shockingly high. I mean, there's a lot of people in Minnesota that go to Canterbury and opening night will have mm-hmm. quite a few people there. That tends to get favorites over bet. So maybe we end up in the six to five range. I, I would I like to actually bet the source to win. I'd want probably nine to five, eight to five, which it might be a little bit of a pipe dream. And the four, a winner of three straight at Turf Paradise, but coming off of a bit of a layoff and, and kind of uh, now eight years old, uh, like we were talking, or sorry, like we were talking about with the one who's eight years old, I should say, uh, the four is uh, is five and, and does, sometimes needs to take a little bit of a step forward off of the you know second time out after a layoff. So uh, we'll see what happens here. We both like the three. We'll move on. The race seven now. This is going to be the third leg of the late pick five, and it's got nine females three and up, routing seven and a half furlongs on the turf. Minnesota breads in for 15K tags, and they can be non-winners of three lifetime. If you're not a Minnesota bred, you're in for 10K tag, and you have to be non-winners of two lifetime. I love the conditions here. They're really, Canterbury does a great job of, if you have a Minnesota bred, they really try and help stack the deck for you. I don't say that facetiously. Like, it's a very smart idea here to try and give them a little bit of a leg up and make it more competitive here. Where'd you go on top? I went with the, oh, I went with the seven on top, Jewel Azul. Uh, I don't love this horse. But this horse has the best races and kind of when you look through this field and the turf form, it leaves something to be desired here. I thought this was one of the tougher races to handicap on the card. But Jewel Azul to me made it made quite a bit of sense. The fact that you have Wooly with two in here and she's going to have the eight chocolate freckles set up the seven, I think is a positive sign as well. Should get the pace that you need for Jewel Azul to be able to come running late. And that really is what this horse wants to do. Uh Again, like if you look at to the inside, it's hard to really like any of the inside four on turf. Maybe you can make a case for the three, but I, I didn't really try to. Same with the five. And so you're really left with these four outside horses and deciding, okay, how do I want to play this? How do I think this this kind of plays out? And uh, for me, when you kind of get down to those two, or down to those four, the six and the seven are the class of it. And I think the six has the better setup. So I ended, or I'm sorry, the seven has the better setup. So I ended up with the seven Jewel Azul on top. Uh, another race where we had each went three deep and we agreed on two of them. This is one of them. I uh, was my second pick here. The one other one we agreed on is my top pick. But um, despite being winless on turf, uh, she's got three seconds and a third and seven starts here at Canterbury. Uh, you mentioned that Wooly's got two in here. Uh, he put the bug, uh, the bug jockey on the speed horse, which smart idea to do that. And you got the top jockey in the circuit, Harry Hernandez, uh, riding this one. So, yeah, I agreed on the seven. The other one we liked is number seven. She's on Easy Street. And, boy, did I have to look at this a bunch of times to try and make sure I got that name right. I was kept wanting to say she's zoned as is. Nope, that's not right. She's on Easy Street, the number nine horse, six to one. Back on turf now where she's got a win and a second and two starts, both over this course, both times running protected. Uh, now she drops back down to the claiming ranks because of her efforts on the dirt and it was at Will Rogers Downs, not exactly, you know, a step down from, from uh, or it's a couple steps down from Canterbury Park, no offense, John Lees. But I really think that it also sets up perfectly for her because she should get that perfect stalking trip behind the eight. I think the six is probably going to be right there with the eight and, and maybe go second uh, into that first turn. I think the nine is going to sit right behind them there. Uh, the Jack and Trainer do all right together. The Trainer overall is just four for 75 um uh in the last year or sorry a four percent win rate uh from 75 stars in the last year but when using the jockeys a 13 percent win rate so to me that's a huge plus up here um i know you like the nine as well yeah she's won zest reet 
uh, right? <laughs> no, there's so many different ways you could end up pronouncing this horse if you want to break it down phonically. I like that. Uh, it, to me, look, you go back to the two Canterbury turf races. And I, I think when I talked about not a ton of form on the Canterbury turf or turf in general, those two races were just ends up running second in the maiden special weight and then wins a maiden special weight. Probably the two best races on this horse's entire past performances. Now we're getting back on the turf, specifically here at Canterbury. Has some tactical speed, so should be sitting closer to the pace than the seven Jewel Azul. Uh, I, I know. I, I just, I think that she gets the right trip here. I think the price is right at six to one. Um, and I, again, this, this we're not getting overly creative here because it, it seems like it's the outside four that are really going to contest this. I feel like. The six and the seven are must uses. I'm kind of surprised you're not using the six. Elegance and tonic. That was my second pick. And for a while, I was just six, seven here, singling the three, just six, seven. So I could spread a little bit more in some other spots. But I ended up adding the nine years as the last one on my ticket. Um, she just she should get the right trip. She should be in right position. And I don't want her to knock me out of this, considering the ticket's only sixty seven fifty. For me, as far as the six goes, she's. She just doesn't pass horses. And if I think the eight is going to be the leader and you got the bug boy on her and everything, I don't see the six getting by her. I mean, she went gate to wire when she broke her maiden here. Uh, but before that, she never passed anybody on the turf, including when she had the lead. Uh, last time out at Oakland Park, she won. She was gate to wire. Uh, there's a race back at Hawthorne uh, from last November where she was third and then finished second. And she kind of gained a little bit there, almost got the win. But that's the only time I can feel like you can really say that she had any interest at all in passing horses. Otherwise, if she doesn't have the easy lead, I don't think she's winning. And so at three to one, I didn't want to try and find out at that. She is the fourth up for me. So it's funny that we uh, you used her and I didn't. But, you know, I, I could understand why you would want to use her. She should like getting back on turf and at Canterbury. But from a pace perspective, I don't see her getting the job done. Also, she was no match for the nine twice when they faced each other. So uh, we both liked the nine. That was my top pick. I didn't want to use the six. Um, last up for me, I did use the eight, uh, stretching out for the first time. 13 career starts, all of them sprinting. So now we're going to try routing. We're by gemologist out of Lemon Drop Kid Mare. Not only should this horse, uh, you know, should, should like the turf, even though her one win came on dirt. She should like routing. I We'll see. This is the first, like I said, first time that she's ever going to try this. And why not? You give her a shot. I think this is the one time you do try it because of all those different sprints to a route. Um, I mentioned Wooly's got the Bug Boy up there two for five together in the last year. Um, Bug Boy's winning at a 17% rate right now, which is pretty strong as well. And also four of the five starters that he's had with uh, the Bug Boy up, they fit the board. So I, you know, I feel like the Bug Boy fits the barn pretty well uh, in the limited sample size. I'm just taking a shot on her because I think that she's going to be leading off the turn. And it's just a matter of if she's good enough to hold on. But I, I feel like she's going to have that shot coming off. Yeah, I mean, the reason I picked the six over the eight is I think the eight is going to stop and the six is going to inherit the lead in the backstretch. Like, I, I'm not sure how far this eight can go. And if, if we <laughs> go 21-44 and the six is comfortable in second, basically the leader of the rest, the eight's coming back, right? And I, I don't think 21-44 is logical. I think you're probably going to see... 2346, which I still think is way too fast to be able to hold and probably a five or six length lead, which means that the six basically gets to lead the rest. Uh, Doc brings up the two. This was the one horse I tried to make a case for and just couldn't get onto the ticket. Made this go. Uh, the horse broke its maiden last time over at Oakland Park. It has shown the ability to come from off the pace, but the, the trainer combination with the fact that there's not much turf pedigree was the reason I ended up not going with the two. But if I, if I was going to get crazy with the price, the two would be the one I'd use. 
I, not a bad one. Uh, it's coming off of the, uh, the the maiden victory at Oakland. The big reason I passed on the two and the one, uh, they were both coming out of dirt sprints where they beat maiden claimers. And it's first time versus winners. And, and some of these horses, uh, they've got enough of a, of a background that you think, you know, even though these are non, a lot of, uh, almost all of them are non winners of one, or non winners of two lifetime, I should say. They've all got plenty of starts under their belt. So uh, a tough spot for that. On that note, I wanted to go to Car Ramrod bringing up this question. It's kind of a good segue. Carl Ramrod asks, how do you handle assessing class with a horse that's running for maiden 20K at Oakland when they go to a place like Canterbury? Do you give the horse a bump because they're leaving Oakland to Canterbury, or is it case-by-case for you, Mike? Uh, It's pretty case-by-case. A lot of it is who they're facing um, and what trainers they have. Like, Robinson will do that a lot, and it kind of fits. And so you can generally say, okay, if you're going from – it's a little harder. So, like, you know, May Disco, for instance, going from state-bred – 12.5 12.5 claimers, Archibred 12.5 claimers here to open company $10,000 is in my mind almost a step up in class because it's a maiden special weight 12.5 state bred to open 10. So I, I think this is a tougher field. If you look at like, okay, a $20,000 claimer at Oakland versus a $20,000 claimer at um, at Canterbury, the it's a drop in class, right? If it's just yeah. apples to apples, it's 100% is. Kind of in general, how I handle it is that if a horse is going from a purse, so, so like if you look at like the $40,000 claiming level, $30,000 claiming level at Oakland, where the purses are 30000 $40,000, and they're going into a allowance here, that to me is about equal class levels because of the purse sizes and the horses you're going to get in. So for me, a lot of it is purse value when you're going from Oakland to a track like this to try and create kind of where the level is. Uh, but it's definitely not apples to apples going from one to the other. And you got to check specifically with like with the turf paradise races, with the Oakland races, with the Hawthorne races, were they state bred? Because that those state bred programs are not anything like the New York or the Kentucky state bred programs. Those are big time drops facing Archie breads to open company is a, a massive difference. Uh, one thing too, that Aaron Altman uh, taught me a while ago is uh, if you have a horse that breaks his maiden, uh, for a claim, uh, for a claiming tag next out, you should run the horse back for half of that. That's the suitable, uh, for half the price. That's a suitable spot. Now, it, because this horse is Minnesota bred, she's running for 15, but the other horses are in for 10 K. So this is kind of a, if the, if this was an open claiming race that she's in for 10 K. So the one I think makes sense and being by stormy Atlantic, I think it fits is that Arkansas bread angle for the two. I'm like, that's the, the only reason you got that job done is because you faced a bunch of, Arkansas breads that don't even like to go three furlongs, let alone six. So. Well, and, and one thing I, I would also say is like, if you're going from Oakland 20K maiden claimers, to me, that's about even with Canterbury 20K claimers, if they're both open, right? So you don't need that half drop if you're taking a drop down in, cl- in track level. So if you're at Oakland, you run 20K maiden claimers and you win, 10K claimers is probably where you fit at Oakland. If you run at 20K maiden claimers at, at Oakland, and you go to 20k claimers here that's probably where you fit so the drop isn't as steep if you switch from an a track to a b track but if you're on the same circuit i agree you want to basically cut in half generally all right let's move on the penultimate leg of the canterbury late pick five on saturday may 27th race eight this is where things get nutty for us and and (laughs) we both use five horses we only agreed on two of them so one of the few horses we don't talk about it's probably going to win but we've got 12 minnesota bread males three and up sprinting five and a half furlongs n1x allowance company nobody's in here for a tag 
That means shit's about to get wild. Where'd you go on top? Yeah, time to go some price hunting. Uh, on top, I went to the 12 horse, 9 to 2, Roses by Liam. Tim Padilla brings this one in from Tampa. Uh, look, the last race was by far the best race anyone's coming out of. That was a $75,000 uh, N1X allowance. Broke the maiden for $24,000 the previous start. It seems like this horse wants one turn, not two. So I'm willing to excuse that last race against winners. Uh, going that two-turn mile. Now we're cutting back down to this one turn, six and a, five and a half furlongs. Little concern we're not fast enough early. That is my biggest concern with the 12 here that we're going to come from off of it. But the fact that we get Kenyonis up, the fact that Padilla has this horse here, and the fact that this horse has shown some speed early at Tampa where they generally go pretty fast makes me feel like we're going to be close enough to the pace to get home with a big kick. So I'll put the 12 roses with Liam at 92 on top. But I, I'm going to try and go price on here because I do think there's quite a few horses that you can get at a number. Same, yeah. There's a, a bunch of horses I like. That, and I, re, honestly, the the three horses that we each went price hunting on are the ones we disagreed on. So uh, we really went hunting on that one. I almost made Roses by Liam my top pick. That you kind of nailed it. Why I didn't, and that's because if this was six furlongs, I feel a little more confident. Five and a half, I'm worried is going to come just a little bit too short for this horse. But uh, all the other angles you mentioned, I love. Uh, my top pick, which you didn't use, number nine, Happy Hour Bobby at six to one. Uh, to me, this horse is back to where he fits class-wise after he tried some Minnesota bred steaks last year. If you take out the three stakes tries he had, which includes finishing a close third, uh, going six furlongs here, he's got to win three seconds and two-thirds and six starts. He's never missed the board when he's been uh, running here at Canterbury. Top trainer, Mac Robinson. Top jockey, Harry Hernandez. Uh, I think this is a great combination here. I was surprised that you didn't use. This is the first time for Mac Robinson when wasn't with uh, his brother before. I was with a different trainer, uh, Burnell Roan. But uh, tell me why, real quick, why you didn't use the nine horse? I don't think he's going to be able to hold on. If if there wasn't so much speed side on here, I would have used the nine. Um, and you mentioned the seconds. All of those came when he made the lead <laughs> and then someone caught him, right? And that's yep. to me, the biggest issue here with the nine is that it just feels like someone's going to catch him. Last May 18th, we opened up at this level going five and a half furlongs, went 21 and four, 44 and four, which I think is about what you're going to see from a pace perspective. And someone caught him, ended up running second, three <laughs> lengths back. It just feels like he's not going to get loose. It feels like he's got one chance to win the race, which is gate to wire. And it feels like he's going to get caught. So if I was playing a try, the nine makes the ticket. If I'm trying to pick the winner, <laughs> I don't put the nine on the on the pick five here. So that's kind of why the nine ended up off the ticket for me. And and I was trying to even say like, well, it's you know a lot of those races were six furlongs, so he cuts back to five and a half. No, he raced at five and a half, and he got caught that day too. So, uh, listen, maybe Mac Robertson makes the the difference for him here. We'll see. All right, where'd you go for your next pick here? Yeah, if you're gonna make an argument, it's you have Hernandez riding through and Robinson, the trainer, right? That that could yeah. be the difference if if something changes. Uh, the two horse was me for me the second pick, Silver Dash, three to one. No shocker here. This horse has shown speed at Turf Paradise. Uh, should be forwardly placed again. But if you go back to the race three back at six and a half furlongs, the horse came from off the pace. They had the horse uh, for two, 6,250, wins the race, moves it right up to 12,000, wins the race, moves it right up. And notice who beat it that day, Reckoning Day, the horse that we did not use in the, the second leg of this, who had won three straight races. So that's a, a decent race there as well that Silver Dash is coming out of. I, I think you're going to see a pretty good effort here from Silver Dash. To me, makes a, it makes a ton of sense here at three to one. Again, don't love the price, and I, I think that there are horses at prices that can win. So I, I like the twelve and the two. I'm not overly confident in either of them getting the job done, though. 
Uh, I love it. I, this was the last horse that made it on for me, and I didn't want to use. I was like, God, this horse went too straight. And then you talked about the moving up in class and how the horse was, was still doing well. Another Esteban Martinez horse. Listen, he just couldn't. Nobody's perfect. Esteban had the one horse that he just couldn't quite figure out and improve when he left. Otherwise, he's a good trainer. Um, uh, locally, this horse is nine starts, dirt sprinting. Three wins, three seconds, a third. He's back where he like a track that he likes. It's a good setup. Uh, there is a lot of pace. You could see three, nine, and ten all go. The four and six will probably be uh, more forwardly placed. Two shaving ground. You know, probably hopefully in that second flight early um, should be able. As long as he doesn't get blocked behind somebody going uh, slowing down, like the three Sam says. As long as that horse doesn't slam on the brakes and cause Silver Dash to lose the race, I think he's in a good spot. So those that's it we've, we've talked about three horses we've talked about the ones we agree on so let's get a little nuts where are you going next give me the three horse 20 to 1 sam says baby <laughs> come on let's go uh this is a kind of a classic mike horse look wins its debut at five furlongs looks phenomenal at two doing it uh then comes back and runs in a hundred thousand dollar stakes race uh, presses the pace not quite able to hold on Comes back and runs at Remington Park. Seven furlongs over the slop. Just throw that one out. I mean, the horse attended the lead, but was three wide around the entire time. Was never going to hold on. Loses by a million. Doesn't matter. Now we're coming back first time as a three-year-old. Bueller, this is one of those meets that Bueller points for. Uh, Laura and Bueller, Bueller together, 15% with a positive ROI there. The workout string is one I kind of like. The fact that we're working at five furlongs. We're not working shorter. We're working at those further distances to see if we can kind of get this horse in form with by through workouts i think the three is able to be close and i like these horses when they come back at three or when they come back at four after running in stakes races when you see that quick hey maiden breaking score stakes race and then you get a break a lot of times you get big efforts first time out of three first time out of four so i'll take a shot here 20 to 1 with sam says i did look at this horse my biggest concern is that well two concerns one i don't think he gets an easy lead and you saw the the six furlongs it was a stakes race but the 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 second career start kind of got challenged a little bit and just threw in the towel i also don't like this is the first start at three and, and we're facing a bunch of older horses with a lot of talent i think this is a a very salty group and and, and because we each went five deep i think that's kind of a sign that um you could go a lot of different places here but uh yeah you, you, he could go wire to wire I don't think he will, but there there is that danger here. And like you said, like when I looked at this horse too, I thought, oh, this is Mike will probably use this horse because of the angles that you mentioned, debuting, winning, and then running in two stakes. By the way, the stakes at Remington that he lost um, got beaten by a million and a half lengths. Wild Atlantic Storm won that, and he exited the Clever Trevor stakes there to win the Springboard Mile. And that was the last we ever saw of Wild Atlantic Storm. But he did go, uh, exit that race to win uh, a Kentucky Derby prep race. So. Uh, you know, a good horse to be losing to at Remington Park, that's for sure. Um, what happened? Rockies just took the lead in the bottom of the eighth. Hell yeah. All right. There we three go, two? baby. Uh, three to two, yeah. Awesome. Cool. Keep us posted on that. Uh, next up for me, uh, number five, Midnight Royal at 12 to one. First two career starts, came over the local dirt, ran a good third on debut as the nine to five favorite going six furlongs, then cut back to five and a half furlongs for the second start, romped by two and a half lengths. Tried turf routing. Uh, I don't know if it was the turf, if it was the routing. That first effort was a complete disaster. It was also first time facing winners. Uh, he missed by he missed second by a head in the neck in his next try. He ends up fourth. Loring Park wins that by a length and a quarter, but was right there in the photo uh, for second. So I thought that was a good effort. Returned from 222 days off on the dirt at Hawthorne. 
boy, that was not a good look for him either. It looked seemed like he was really rusty. I watched the replay, and he just didn't have any sort of kick at all. And I was like, well, I'm hoping it's just because this horse was really rusty in there. Uh, he returned last out at Hawthorne. He tried routing. That was a bad effort. I'm going to knock that up to him just really not liking the two turns and him being better suited for this. Uh, but I think also returning back to sprinting, and now we're back to facing Minnesota Breds, who we haven't faced since we broke our, uh, at least on dirt, since we broke the maiden. I think those are going to be good things for him. Joel Byrne, I said we'll talk about again. Uh, he's won 30% of, uh, 31% of his Canterbury Park starters last year. 62% in the money. Dude's pretty damn good at Canterbury Park. So I'm going to use this horse at a price. This was the one that I was at a big price was like, I think is going to get things nutty. Um, and again, should come from way off the pace. And if there is a pace duel between the 3, 9, and 10 and things collapse, I think this horse is going to be right there. Yeah, consider this one, especially because of those, the debut in the second race at Canterbury, right? Those are the two that you look back to and you say, well, if we can improve off that, that we ran when we were three and now we're four and we're getting third off the layoff. If we can go back to that, this horse is good enough to win the, the five horse. I went with the other, Joel Brandt, though. I, I went with the eight horse here uh, and I thought this was really interesting. First off, yo, dog, what up, eight? Get home. Let's go. Uh, but. <laughs> Eula follows this horse from Hawthorne to ride here. Uh, someone that doesn't ride a ton for Brandt, only 13 mounts, but they are clicking off at 31% in those 13 mounts with a $3.86 ROI. The horse clearly had talent. Like, that's the thing. You saw the, the efforts at both two and three, but just couldn't stay on the track. So he had these, these shortened stretches here, ran three times at two, ran second two of those three times, ran twice at three, uh, has not mit run out of the top four in any of those. Tries dirt for the first time at Hawthorne. And I thought it looked really good. And this is a horse that has proven it can pass horses before, but got more, was more forwardly placed and was able to essentially go gate to wire, was really dueling for the majority of the race, and then opened up late. Now we're second out as a four-year-old. We're stepping in here. I think Yo Dog's got a big shot in here, getting eight to one on the eight. So the eight was my next horse in. I was surprised you didn't use this one. I thought you'd be using both the five and the eight here, Magic. <laughs> Uh, if there's a scratch from one of my five horses in here, the eight will be the one that I use. Uh, I, I feel like this horse is better on turf. Like, I know he got the win. Um, he broke Why? the maiden on dirt, and that was his dirt debut. But, like, they almost won his debut uh, on turf. It was by a neck at uh, RIP Arlington Park. Uh, then came to Canterbury Park against open two-year-old maiden company. Almost wins by, uh, gets second by a half a length. There really isn't a bad effort there on turf on the page. It's just that the horse, they went to Hawthorne and like, well, here's a race that I don't, maybe they couldn't get anything to fill for him uh, that was going to be on turf for Maidens, but uh, looked very good. I just, I, I wonder if this horse might just end up being better on turf. But again, if there is nice. a scratch from here, um, the horse has never missed the board in six starts either. And, and all of them against open companies, first time facing straight Minnesota breads. Can I ask you a question? Sure. What if the horse is better on dirt? What if all four of those races were the low, the, the floor, not the ceiling, baby? And now we are going to rise up and see the best effort that Yo Dog has put together. I, serious question, though. It's, it's a, uh, it says Go Sapper out of a blame mare. That's a pretty good dirt breed. Like, yes, there is some turfy in there, but we always make fun of blame on the turf, so we're not going to mention that. But there is some turfy in there with the Go Sapper. So <laughs> I see why you're trying turf, but I can make a pretty solid argument that this horse is a better dirt horse. And when you look at... The Tomlinson numbers, they're through the freaking roof. Off is a uh, wet track is 439. This distance on dirt, 428. So I'm I'm loving me the dirt here for Yo Dog. I'm going to make the opposite argument. I think it's a better dirt horse and it was wrongly placed in its first four races. <laughs> uh, I think a big reason they were probably trying the turf too is that the dam uh, almost won the Giants Causeway at Keeneland uh, back in her day. Had Does have a lot of turf form and graded stakes placing on turf on her pedigree. So 
I think, despite being by Blaine, she <laughs> was able to do well on turf there. Poor Blaine. Maybe she oh. was a better dirt horse. <laughs> uh, boy, you'd think also, not not to go off a tangent about the eight, you'd think by Ghost Zapper out of a Blaine Mary, like, what in the world are you doing trying five and a half furlongs? Like, shouldn't you just be getting started at five? No. I mean, nope. good, good efforts, but again, they were on, they were routing, but good efforts, uh, or on turf, but they were good efforts routing. Anyway. Next up for me, uh, last one since we talked about all the other ones I used. Uh, number seven, outrun them at six to one. Cuts back to sprinting after running in a pair of uh, pretty tough allowance races at Oakland Park, going a mile, two turns with that short stretch there. The win two back was at 37 to one. It's a big upset, but that race has also come back pretty well. And I was going to leave this horse off, and then it went back because of that 37 to one price and thought, well, now it's six to one here against Minnesota Breads. That race has had two winners, a third from five others who ran back. So I thought that that was a good effort there. I can't explain why the horse didn't do well. And it was a you know a big jump up in class last time out at Oakland Park to face uh, complete allowance horses as opposed to starter allowance. But he also broke really slowly and, and just never asked to engage in the field. And, and you talked about it before. When you get a horse that likes to be closer to the pace, like two back, and they break slowly and they're five and a half lengths back and it's a seven horse field, they're like, this sucks. I don't want to do this right now. And, you know, just like me on some days when my, you know, just not feeling the run, you're just like, I don't want to do this. This sucks. I'm going to go home. So I think that's the horse's position there. Uh, back to facing uh, Minnesota breads, I think hopefully jumps this horse back up. Yeah, this was, this was one of those I went back and forth on. Uh, what sold me was the 0 for 11 at Canterbury and 0 for 3 at the distance. And then you go back to the other sprint races, like the, the six furlong races at Oakland, there were three of them this year. Seventh by eight lengths, eighth by ten lengths, six by nine lengths. I just I don't think this is a one turn horse. That was my my big concern, especially in a race where at five and a half you you can't be coming from the clouds, right? And I have a concern that the seven is going to come from the clouds. Now, this is a different horse than what we have seen in those other eleven Canterbury efforts, and that would be the argument as to why you excuse that because this horse has clearly improved. And so the question is, can can he replicate? Those mile efforts at Oaklawn at five and a half in Canterbury. And if this horse was 20 to one, I'd be willing to find out. But at six to one, I'm a little less willing to find out. Yeah, that, that price was a little little hard to choke down there, like I said. But hopefully uh, hopefully he gets ignored on the tote because of that last effort at Oaklawn Park. Uh, so I went two five seven nine twelve. Do you have anyone left to talk about? I'm going to take one more shot. Give me the one horse, North Arm Bay, 15 to 1 for Troy Bethke. Got Lindy Wade in the saddle. Uh, this horse, 1 for 10 at Canterbury, but has hit the board six of those 10 races, run this distance twice, hit the board one of those two times, including off a layoff in a maiden special weight. When you watch what they did with this horse, they clearly thought highly of this horse, right? They put it into a $100,000 stakes race as a maiden. It breaks its maiden, goes right to a 60K stakes race. They run an allowance back to a 100K stakes race. First off the bench at Fauner is a four-year-old. Let's throw it into a $21,000 stakes race. So they think this horse doesn't suck, right? And the pace setup this should be pretty quick here. The one should get a good trip, and you're getting Lindy Wade on a horse that's second out as a four-year-old. I'm willing to take a little bit of a swing at the one as a horse that could sit close to the pace and surprise at a big number. So I, I went one, two, three, eight, twelve here. You might not, the connections might have thought that the one doesn't suck. You know who does think he sucks is the number nine, my top pick, Happy Hour Bobby. Finished ahead of him three times that they faced each other, including a maiden win. But no, yeah. that's, uh, you're getting a much better price, 15 to one versus six to one. Well, real quick before we move on, I saw Mike Lawson talking about the 11, Color Me Legendary at 10 to one. Neither of us used this horse. Uh, for me, it was, this horse has got one win on the page. 
and eight just total disaster races after that debut win. So that for me, I was like, I think this horse kind of got lucky once and I'm not going to use this horse in, in this position. What about you? Um, I, it, look, if you're five or six deep and you're including this one at 10 to one, I don't hate it. Right. I, I, I we just made arguments for six different long shots, right? Yeah. This would be another one I think you could make an argument for if you like the horse. Uh, my handicapping style doesn't get to me this get me to this horse just because I don't see a race on the page that wins it. Um, and I like your horse outrun him has beaten this horse. It's just it's a lot of different horses. Silver Dash, Happy Hour Bobby both beaten this horse here at Canterbury. So it's hard if you if you can't you gotta say, hey, we've got to improve off that one race. Because that's the best race this horse has run on dirt. The best numbers for this horse have all come on turf since then. Um, if you did take the logical progression forward, yeah, the horse could win. I just, I'm not willing to bet the horse will take that logical progression forward on the dirt here. Dave asking if uh, if his name was Simon Says instead of Sam Says, would I like the horse more? I might. I know that would get my wife to bet him. That's for sure. Yeah. She got really mad at me when because she likes the National Treasure movie. She got really mad at me after National Treasure when the Preakness was like, why didn't you tell me there was a horse named National Treasure in the race? I would have bet him. I was like, well, because you also hate Bob Baffert. And that's who trains. She goes, oh, yeah, <laughs> I love the National Treasure. I was really disappointed in the National Treasure show. It started out so good and ended so bad. I uh, stuck and it's around. A, and it's officially ended. It ain't good. They ain't doing no more of them. I, I stuck around for all 10 episodes and I hated myself more and more for each one that I watched. <laughs> uh, real quick, Nick, uh, I, I'm not going to go to Lone Star this weekend. Um, I it, With all the travel that I'm doing, it just didn't make sense for me to go there. However, I'm going to play the San Anita tournament on Monday, but I will not be playing from there. I'm going to be here at the house. And then uh, one more question that I saw that I want to answer. Oh, do, does the racehorse, do racing dudes any own any horses? So, Aaron has owned horses in the smaller tracks, the Prairie Meadow World. Um, I used to be a partial owner in Slam Dunk, so I own probably 10 or 12 different horses through that process. Magic and I have both gotten involved in my racehorse at different times for horses there as well. It's a ton of fun owning racehorses. It is a wild money suck if you don't have a boatload of money, right? I mean, that's really the key because if you want to own racehorses, you got to use them as tax write-offs to make it even close to financially viable to own a bunch of horses or you just have to have so much money that you can get this massive portfolio and eventually one hits and pays for everyone else. It's really hard outside of that. But yeah, I think three of the four of us have owned horses at one point or another. Yeah, Aaron's, uh, as far as I know, Aaron's the only one that actually has his name. Uh, like he actually has the owner certificate and everything. He had to do the application for it. He has two double numbers and Husker Butch. Uh, I think double numbers is running on Monday. One of them runs on Monday in a six furlong race. And I think it's double numbers because that horse uh barely even gets out of the gate and going at six furlongs so we'll see what happens with that one um, Rockies yeah, are opening up like flight line baby let's, let's go. go let's go <laughs> uh yeah tis the magician's the best one that i've ever owned um i got i have a couple more that are still kind of tinkering around for my racehorse including uh 63 caliber who's a gun runner filly a graded stakes winner going two turns which is fantastic because it might actually turn a profit on that one when they sell her at keeneland this fall but Let's get back to things. We got one more race, Mike, the fifth and final leg of the Canterbury Late Pick 5, Saturday, May 27th. Race 9 is the Lady Slipper Stakes for 10 older Minnesota-bred females sprinting six furlongs on the dirt. There are two stakes on the card, but the 10,000 Lakes is very early on. It's got a big favorite in there, so there's a reason for that. This one looks pretty damn good. You've got some good horses in here, too, for the Minnesota-breds. Where'd you go on top? Yeah, we're going to go on top with a 10, Charlie's Penny. Not going to go into a ton into this one because... Look, he's 
she's probably the best horse, right? Like, let's just be honest here. She can replicate the Churchill Downs, the fairground efforts. She probably gets the job done here. Uh, but I do think you could try and beat her. And I, I felt like of the sequence, this was the, the beatable favorite if you want to try and really balloon this thing up. So I'm going to take a shot at a couple others. Um, so Charlie's paying the topic for me. I know you used the 10. Was, was she your topic as well? Yep, top pick. 5 for 11 lifetime, 9 for 11 in the money. Um, last year, Chris Block, her main trainer, uh, loaned her to Joel Burnt. She came here, won a 6 for a long Minnesota Bread Stakes by 5 and a quarter lengths. Same exact situation we got here. And three of the five horses she beat that day that finished second, third, and fourth, actually, they're all back in this spot. And they saw that she came back. They're like, God damn it, this horse is bad. Stay in Chicago! That's what they're probably thinking here. Uh, slight concern that she's coming off a 126-day layoff, and that's why... I didn't single her. We both went three deep here. Yeah, real quick too. Car Ramrod uh, makes me sad. Memorial Day at Lone Star is such a fun day to watch and play. It really is. Uh, yeah. One of the reasons I am not playing it is for what you're referencing there and saying how much money you're losing. I am really interested to see what happens when you have a $2,500 bankroll where you have to bet all of your money twice and you're betting into pools that are like two grand. <laughs> like if, you're going to see like one to nine favorites because two people in that room decide they want to bet their whole bankroll on the horse. And so I, to me, it's just one of those tournament situations where I didn't want to deal with that part of it either, because you really have no clue how much you're going to move a pool when the exacta pool is literally $4,000. You put a $500 exact into it. You are destroying your own value. And that's kind of the opposite of the reason for why you play tournaments. So hopefully they get that figured out because I would love to get back down there and uh, and play in those Texas tournaments again, because they are a blast. They do a great job of taking care of you. Second place horse for me. Give me the three horse. It's her time. You know why? Because it's, it's her, her time, time to win. Let's go. <laughs> Let's get this three horse home. Uh, 12 to 1 on the morning line. This is another one where uh, this is just my kind of horse. Look, it breaks its maiden on debut, come, runs in second right off that in allowance, wins the next allowance, right away goes up into a, a $60,000 stakes, jumps into $100,000 stakes. Now we give this horse the entire winner off, which is a very common thing. It's not something you should be concerned about here at Canterbury. You see a lot of these horses who only run at Canterbury. This is one of those. McLean Robinson, we talked about him. Very good trainer there. Now we get to see this horse first time out as a four-year-old. Not this time. Horses have been freaking phenomenal, and they get better from two to three and better from three to four. If she's able to do that, she is very dangerous here at 12 to 1, could take this field gate to wire. I was sitting here going, there's a Minnesota bred, not this time. Man, that is that is some good breeding right there. <laughs> Horses three for six lifetime. I used her as well. This was my second pick. Um, uh, she won the two-turn stakes here as well earlier in her career. Gotta love that. The 259-day layoff, that's eh, a bit of a concern, but she did win her debut here going five and a half furlongs by nine lengths. So that tells me maybe the, this will be her first time coming off of a layoff because she debuted at three. Um, I, I'm not that concerned about it, so... Uh, last year at Canterbury Park, Mac Robertson won at 19%. Jockey Constantino Ramon Roman won 14%. Together, they were 22% together, including that uh, tw uh, two-turn stakes that I talked about. So, yeah, we agree on those two. This is where we diverge. I can't believe you didn't use the number seven clickbait at 9-2. to The back-to-back -back defending champion of this race. She's 7 for 18 lifetime, 15 for 18 in the money. On Canterbury Dirt, she's 7-5-1 and one in 13 starts, never off the board. Sprinting on the Canterbury Dirt, she's 6-2-1 and one in 9 starts, never off the board. Her two runner-ups were by a head and three-quarters of a length. The one time that she finished third, that was her 2022 finale. I'm going to chalk that up, too. She just needed some time off. So uh, give me the double Mac attack, the three and the seven. What do you always tell me about these older mares? 
I understand that she might need time off, but she won last year in this race off a 252-day layoff, and she did it by five and a half lengths, and a bunch of the horses that she beat up are in this spot again. Correct. They, she, she did that at, at sub-even money. She will not be anywhere near sub-even money this time. No, so she's clearly with the, best the 10 horse. here. <laughs> by the way, she's seven now. She was six then, and we've seen this happen where, where these mares, the cliff comes fast. Yeah. I'm worried the cliff came at the end of last year because her numbers regressed pretty aggressively from what we had seen at five and six to what we saw at the end of six. And so for me, that's why I kept clickbait off the ticket. It's just that that late regression, specifically the last four races, which are four of the worst races of hers going all the way back to 2020, make me concerned that we may not be the same horse we were at six early or even five when we were better than we are now here at seven. It is a concern, and like I said, that that one, that one, that oof, the one time she finished third, and she's never finished first and second, gets sprinting on the dirt at Canterbury, and then she finishes third by seven and a quarter lengths. Oof, that hurt. Now it does make me feel better that the horse that beat the piss out of her and everybody else that day is the ten horse that we're both using. So eh, yeah, no, so I understand I guess, what you're saying there. I guess my question is, what makes you think the ten can't beat the piss out of her again, <laughs> especially since the ten probably is as good, and the seven may not be. Well, the 10's also coming off of a long layoff, so maybe yeah, okay. maybe none of them do it, and the three's the one. It's Listen, Mike, it's her time. It's her, three, time. it's her time. It's her time. It's her time. Give me the one horse. Molly's Angels, my other horse. Tim Padilla bringing this one in. Quinones gets the mount. Eight to one on the morning line. Uh, this horse is three for eight at Canterbury. The trip should set up well. We're going to be far back early. We're going to have to run up late. There's enough speed that if this thing collapses, I think this is the horse that gets the job done. Yes, we have failed at this, uh, at this level against some of these horses before. We ran in this race uh we ran this race last year ended up running fourth there six to one in that spot but this horse specifically those two tampa bay races i thought set this horse up well to be able to go six furlongs here see if we can get the job done for molly's angel at an eight to one price coming from off the pace uh winner of the uh two-turn uh minnesota oaks uh, as a three-year-old uh, back in 2021 and she's you know she she doesn't win often but she does have like, you know, there. it's not like she won a bunch at two and three and then now she's five and it's slowed down. Like she still shows up and you've got third off the layoff. I didn't use her because I'm afraid that she's going to be so far behind going six furlongs that she's not going to get there in time. Um, but uh, I understand why you use this and you're getting a good price under eight to one as well. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the my again, my main concern here. We're too far off it. We may be. But if we are, so be it. Yeah, clickbait's a really cool horse. I'm not trying to not clickbait. I'm just. Trying to explain why I did not use clickbait because magic <laughs> brings up a bunch of points. Loves the track. She knows how to get the job done here. But to me, there's just too many, too many question marks. Two other horses we should talk about before we take off here. The five and the nine. She's my warrior. The other Padilla horse, I just don't think is good enough to compete with this. And then the nine horse, ready to run away. A horse that competed in this last year who's been, oh, well, you know, done very well here at Canterbury. 14 for 19. <laughs> By the way, 19 for 19 in the exacta. Neither of us used. Why didn't you use the nine? I don't. It was hard for me to come up with a re, with a way in which she wins this, and, and the six furlongs is a little bit of a concern. Uh, she loves to hit the board, but uh, for me, like I think you know maybe her best days are behind her as well. She had a lot of wins uh, strung together in 2020, uh, where she went one, two, three, four. She was a neck away. She won four races, uh, four of five, and she was a neck away from making that five for five at Canterbury. And that neck defeat was her try on turf. So. I think this is a horse whose better days are behind her. Um, but you do have a great point. And a hell of a horse to own. By the way, a Minnesota bred that's earned you $565,000 is still running and, and still running well. Like that's, that's damn impressive. Yeah, not bad at all. For me, 
if you take out the mile and mile and 16th races on dirt, the form gets a lot worse. Right. I mean, yeah. four for four going a mile or a mile 16th at Canterbury, you take those races out and all of a sudden you got to go back to a sloppy June 20th win in 2021 since the last time she's able to win sprinting. Yeah, there's got to be I'm looking right now. There's uh, there's got to be uh, next month. There is for the Minnesota breads. Yeah, there's a couple of races coming up that she would be eligible for. There'd be two turns and those would be much probably much better spots for her. Um, and then you look at July. Yeah, June and July look a lot better for the nine than say right now in May. Uh, who was the other one that you brought up? Uh, the five horse. She's my warrior. The other Padilla. Oh, yeah. No, that this is a horse that, that, that I was kind of mentioning. She did all of her best running early. She did uh, won two of her first three starts. That was at two. Uh, and then she won her first start of the year at three. And she hasn't won anything since then. It's been a bunch of, uh, you know, she had a neck defeat once. But other than that, it's been a bunch of really just not good efforts from her. So I think I think she kind of peaked already. And uh, I don't know how much I, she might, you know, she's Minnesota bred. They'll probably run out the year with her. But then after that, I think they retire. The Rockies trying to blow it. Gave him up two in the top of the ninth already. We're still up six to four, though. But we're, we're, we're getting a little tighter here. It was nicer when it was six to two. Listen, the Rays gave up two in the top of the ninth, and they still came out on top. The Rockies will, Rockies will keep that going for us as well. It's just the thing to do today. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining us for Canterbury's opening day, Saturday, May 27th. Their late pick five. I should say opening night because it is night racing, like Mike said, at the top of the show. And again, a big reason we like Canterbury, these small tracks, they've got low takeouts. Canterbury, industry low, 10% takeout on their pick five. Uh, and they're, uh, Actually, and someone correct me, the pick four is 10% as well. So even if you don't want to play pick yeah. five, uh, that 10% is a, is a really, really great thing to have there. So uh, we'll give out our tickets one last time. They're down below. But for the audio listeners, I will start off 268, single the three, 789, 257912, and then 3710. That's 6750 for me. Same cost, same structure for Mike, slightly different horses. Yeah, we're going to start this thing out with the two, five, six, with the three, with the six, seven, nine, with the one, two, three, eight, twelve, and we'll close it out with one, three, ten. That's sixty-seven fifty for fifty cents. Uh, again, thanks everybody for joining us. Blinkers off is not on. To, they're going to actually show up on Saturday uh, because, well, because San Anita stupidly isn't drawing their Monday Memorial Day card until Friday. So uh, Aaron and Jared will be uh, here on Saturday to preview the racing Memorial Day. Uh, on Monday at Sanita Park, and it's got three grade one races, the Gamely, the Hollywood Gold Cup, and the Shoemaker Mile. The Shoemaker Mile, traditionally the first Breeders' Cup winning your in race of the year. So we're not even done with the Triple Crown, Mike. We've already got Breeders' Cup winning your in races coming at us. I love it. I can't wait for the Breeders' Cup, man. Santa Anita this year, Del Mar next yep. year, two of my favorite spots for that Breeders' Cup at. Santa Anita, because- by the way, probably the easiest place to get in and out of, unless you were walking out of Del Mar, of any of the Breeders' Cup locations. <laughs> That's a good point. You can walk out of Del Mar pretty well. Uh, although from the entrance to the exit to the actual road at Del Mar, it's like that, that you might as well just do a couple laps around the track. That is a little bit of a hike, but uh, mm-hmm. no, you're right. Santa Anita's been, there's like 18 different exits out of Santa yeah. Anita. There's all of them get you onto a highway. It's fantastic. And what's great for you and I selfishly travels really easy to get to Santa Anita for the Breeders cup. <laughs> yes, it is pro tip park right by the hill. If you park in the back stretch, it makes it you can you get out of there in two minutes and the highway is right there. Yep, that's pretty awesome. Uh we'll be back uh we'll be back next week. We'll take off Monday because of Memorial Day, so we'll be back next week, Thursday. It'll be June. Shit, yeah. it's gonna be June what June first? Hell yeah. yeah. Wow. 
june big month for us here june 1st will be when we're back here for another pick five sequence uh make sure you follow us on twitter i am at curtis kellward he is at some of 18 number one number eight corporate overlords at racing underscore dudes enjoy your weekend memorial day we will have bets and pre-picks and previews for you over at the website covering all the tracks until thursday or wednesday through sunday for dudes who bet daily i'm magic and i'm mike good luck this week everybody the magic mike show where you hear the experts speak the magic mike show tune into the show every week the magic mike show you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by racing dudes.com